ironically graduated from Bible college together. One was mediocre student, that would have been me, and the other was quite a bit sharper, that would have been some others that were pretty good. Uh, both preached well, and when asked, but one was sharper, uh, was a sharp guy, and, and really hit it out of the, uh, the park. You ever heard somebody say, oh man, he hit that one right out of the park. Uh, when they graduated, the mediocre guy decided, declared he was going into the ministry. The sharp guy actually laughed at the pipe dream. There's the problem. They are both still alive today. The mediocre student uh, has been plugging away for the Lord the best he, he can for many years. That's me. Uh, the sharp guy, now this isn't me about me, by the way. It's not, it has nothing to do with me. I just put myself in there. Uh, the sharp guy is doing well with his secular business. The mediocre guy is stocking away huge bank accounts in heaven for eternity. The sharp guy will go into heaven before he is saved, his, but his coffers are empty. So who really, who, so, so who was really sharp and who was really mediocre? And then he ends that with a little question, which are you? Beth kept telling me I need to read that, so I read it. All week long she read it and she said, you need to read that. But the message really wasn't about do, do that. I, was, I went to the church, a church the other day and uh, uh, some of the ladies, we redid the nursery out here. And some of the ladies uh, said that, hey, they found a, a changing table at a nurse down in, in uh, down south a little ways. And uh, we went down there. Beautiful church, nice building. Uh, had well, lots of money, everything going good, and everything just fell apart. And they didn't have anybody in the church. And the young man that was, that was in the church, he's younger than me, a lot younger. He came from somewhere out west. And when he took the church, he thought he was going to have this blazing uh, and, and right on his desk is a new King James, piece of trash. And, and he sits there and says, well, I want this and this and this. And they had a building fund. He wanted to take the money out of the building fund so he could put a new stage in with lights and everything else so they could get the rock bands in there. And then all the other stuff changing out. And then he wonders why everybody left the church. They told him, said, hey, and the young man didn't have a clue what it was. You know what the problem is? The guy didn't know what he was doing. His, his purpose and his reasoning was completely wrong for taking the church. I talked to him for a minute, and, and he, you know what? He said some good things. He said, look, I got this, and I got that, and I, I can only do this. And I said, yeah. I said, brother, I got, I'm with you on that. I said, there's only certain things I can do also. You know what's funny, though? <clears throat> Beth was in the other room like she always is. She finds somebody to talk to. And there was the uh, secretary was in there. And Beth, when I walked in, she handed her a, uh, this was your life track. What? Doesn't matter. Does it matter? Does it really matter? Here, my wife just corrected me in front of all of you, so I'll tell you what she said. Does your wife ever do that to you? Isn't that the greatest thing in the whole wide world when your wife just right in front of everybody tries to stop? That's like Satan. He does that too. <laughs> it was the greatest story ever told. Please forgive me. Uh, you can chastise me afterwards. Anyways, the lady grabbed that track and looked at it, and she was stunned for a second as she went back. Now, this is, a, this is a Baptist church, probably Southern Baptist maybe. I'm not sure. And she goes, I got saved out of one of these. Now, brother, you know what? You know, the, and, and when I walked by that preacher's office again, he didn't even look at me. Because me and, me and Bess over talking to this lady, we're having a good time, man. We're just preaching. To, she's preaching to us. We're preaching to her. We're having a good time. By the time I got done, and he could hear everything we said. By the time I got back over there, that guy didn't want to say a word. You know what his problem was? Motives were wrong. Everything about what he was doing was wrong. Brethren, we got to watch what we do. Here we go. Romans chapter 10. I'll shut up. I, if I don't finish up, I know when to cut it. I'll cut it. I'll start it again Sunday night. 
Brethren, my heart's desire. Y'all can stand. Man, you're just failing all over the place. <laughs> Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For God is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone uh, that believeth. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart who shall ascend up to heaven, uh, that is to, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Father, again, thank you for your blessings tonight. Do ask you to bless the message, and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? Uh, I'm going to talk about desire for a little bit here. And desire is the key to the whole thing. Uh, what's your desire tonight? If I ask you uh, what, what is the, your desire in life, what would you actually say uh, your desire is? Uh, the desire is the key to everything. Uh, that young man I talked to the other day, the pastor in a church, uh, his desire, what is his desire? Is his desire to have a work that he can stand in front of and say, look, look what I got. Is that his desire? That wasn't Paul's desire, by the way. Paul's desire was totally different than that. And guess what? Jesus' desire was totally different than that. His desire, Paul was mirroring what Jesus' desire was. You know what we do sometimes is we, this flesh gets, brother, we got a problem with this thing, man. If you don't, I'm sorry, if you ever figured out how to work this thing out and get it under control, please come and tell me how to do that. Because I haven't really learned how to quite do that yet. I'm 65 years old. It was a blessing, man. We got the apartment. Uh, to, let's start with that. We got the apartments. We got the house. Uh, there was another guy who actually offered uh, St. Vincent de Paul 100000 105 maybe, for that and two other properties. And they kind of laughed at him. And then when we offered that, they just gave us that, and they said somebody else bought the other one. Uh, but they were ashamed that it looked like it looked. Now, here's a Catholic church. This is a good, good illustration here. A Baptist church gets it next to them. That's us. And I tell him, we're the Baptist church right there. And I said, can we use that dumpster to throw all this trash in? And that guy says, I cannot believe we let this thing get look like this. And they called Beth and told him that we can start dumping stuff in there. And they, they weren't going to supply, hopefully supply the dumpsters so we can get rid of all that stuff. They were feeling really, 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 really bad for testimony's sake. That's a Catholic church. Let me ask you a question. What is your testimony like tonight? What is your, you know how you get a good testimony? You have a, the right desire. If you don't have the right desire, you can never get the right testimony. Paul said, he says, brethren, my heart's desire. That's Paul. Paul's got a desire to do something for God. Now, Paul always didn't have this. Here's the problem with most of us Baptists. We all mess up because we praise God if you don't. Who was it? Oh, I was talking to guys trying to get him to put some doors in for us some windows or doors over there. I, I need to replace 10 doors. And, and he's going to he was going to do it. And, and now I've, I've shamed two guys in the church to help me do it. <laughs> Initially, I wasn't I don't want to hurt everybody. I mean, you know, you start putting doors in, you get wore out. Uh, but there, we got to secure the place so people can't get in and out and, and just live there. But uh, I was talking to the guy, and he goes, you know, I, 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 he said, I'm saved. Are you saved, Mike? I said, yes, I'm saved. How did you get saved? I told him. 
So we go back and forth. He goes, you man, I hate these churches where you go into, and if your shirt isn't buttoned at the top, you're going to hell. And if you don't do this, you're going to hell. And if you don't do that, you're going to hell. And he goes, and I don't have a problem with somebody drinking. I said, well, yeah, for a baby, it's okay to drink if you want to drink. Go on and drink, man. I'll show you a couple of verses to drink on if you want to get drunk. I said, but I'll show you some other verses if you want to grow up. I'll show you some other verses where God says you ain't supposed to do it. You're supposed to be an example, an example before everybody else. Man, I tell you what, oh, man, I better shut up right there. There's times, I'm telling you, where I would wish I could use, I used to, because you go back to your old life. And that's what I did before 1980. That's the type of lifestyle I had. And you know how I resolved my issues in life? A, a fifth of Jack Daniels or Maker's Mark, and I'll go stop there, but I'd go pass out. Because the moment you pass out, it's gone. You don't have to worry about nothing else until you wake up. And then when you wake up, the same problem's there again. You know, my desire, I think a desire is something developed over years. It's not something that, that you can immediately get. It is something that is deep down inside your soul. Uh, I heard another man, uh, the Church of God down, I think it's the Church of God down in Tennessee. Uh, isn't that who's down there, all over the place down there? Church, is that Church of God or Church of Christ? Okay. Well, they were, they were sitting there complaining about the Baptists down there. And it, it's how bold they actually were, were... Uh, they, they had a Baptist online, or, or that's what's wrong with this stinking uh, uh, social media garbage we have. Because now everybody becomes news media worthy people, and they want to get you on tape and put you online and show everybody how stupid they are. You know, really, if you put Jesus Christ side by side, and, and I like the way you do that. I, I was reading through the Bible today and come up with Gideon, and Gideon's sitting there, and Gideon goes and tears down an altar to Baal and, and burns the thing and smashes it all up and kills the cow and burns all that up. And the next morning they say, who did this? And they said, Gideon did it. So they go to his daddy, and his daddy, they said, bring that guy out so we can stone him. Because he did this, and he goes, can't your God do that? You serve Baal, can you? I mean, do you have to take care of Baal? You have to wash his little feet and do this and do this. I mean, if he's a God, let him do it. You know what the problem is? The people, we don't have God in our lives enough. Gideon had to get him a couple times to go through there and show him who he was. But once Gideon got a hold of that thing, he was ready to go fight the battles. But the battle really isn't yours. Paul was sitting here, and he says, my heart's desire, and prayer to God. You know, the first time the word desire shows up in your Bible, it's a dangerous thing. Eve, chapter 3. Go to Genesis, chapter six, 3. You need to check yourself, man. Check it. Check it. Keep it always in check. You always keep that thing in check. I don't know about you. It took me some time to get this thing, man. I didn't know this in 1980. I didn't know. There's a lot of things. 1975, 76. I didn't know all that stuff. I didn't, I didn't know half the stuff I know now. I didn't know a quarter. Of, I didn't know a tenth. Probably a hundredth. Chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 6. Satan is talking to Eve, and he's already talked her into some things. It says, when the woman saw, there's a problem. You know what the problem is? You see. Now, I'll tell you what. If you were in a third world country, you wouldn't see what you see in this country today, and you wouldn't want what you got. But since you are in this country, and you do see the things you see, that tends to make you think you got to have what you see. Now, if you're not that way, that's fine. You're great. You're, you're, you're way above where I'm at. Uh, i I got to keep myself out of stuff, man. I mean, I got to keep stopping, I stopping myself. You say, but you're too old to do it. Yeah, that probably has a lot to do with it because now I know that if I get it, I got to move it. And then I got to move it over here. And, and to find that, I got to move all that to find that. And then when I put all that over here, I'm going to have to find something over here. I got to move it all again. The thing to do is never have it. 
Uh, I was excited when I was, we got that property over. There's six, like six garages there. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm just thinking, I know where I'm going to put all my stuff. <laughs> I'll just empty my house out into those garages. Uh, but I don't think that'll work. I should just empty it into the dump. My heart's desire. Anyway, Genesis 3, 6, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was, and, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and it was, and a tree to be desired. Just because something is there doesn't need, mean it needs to be desired. You need to, we need to bring that thing in check. You need to check your, your desires. Uh, now, here's the whole question. Here's, here, let's, let's preface this whole thing. What do, what do you want? Do you want your desires to be toward God and the Lord Jesus Christ and his things? Or do you want your desires, your desires? Because it's like I read that letter at the first. Having a business, making lots of money, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't care, man, if you make a lot of money, there's a tithe box right back here, a little bit with one, man, just 10%, no, maybe 20, maybe 30. But I don't even care. I mean, if you make lots of money, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But the way that guy said it, and he said, the, the, the guy who got the job there sharply... The, the sharp guy actually laughed at the other guy's pipe dream. It's a pipe dream. I used to know another guy, and he told me that Bible education was useless. He's no longer here, by the way. And now he's in a position where he doesn't have Bible education, and he needs it. And it takes four pastors to run that church, and they got like 15, 20 people. That's stupidity. You know what that is? What it was is somebody who had the wrong desire. His desire was for money. His desire was for a house. His desire was for whatever he wanted. So the question is, is what is your desire tonight? Brother, I can cut this thing off at any time, and I will, and I'll start it up again Sunday night. You need to really stop and say, what do you want out of life? The end of this thing is heaven. I don't care what anybody says. I told that young man, that young man, that old guy the other day who was wanting to put the doors in, uh, I said, Sir, I said, Dr. Rubin, and he said, boy, that was a good thing to say. I said, Dr. Rubin, said, life is like a train. Christian life is like a train. You get on it, don't get off. What people do is they'll come in and go, the world will say you got to have this. Let me ask you a question, why? You know the marriage supper of the Lamb? The only one I care about is Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the bridegroom. That's the, only one, that's the only marriage I really even care about. Any, any of the rest of them don't really, I mean, really when you stop and think about it 25 years from now, all you do is spend a lot of money for what? The marriage, the, the, that's supposed to imitate Jesus Christ and me. Does it? What's my desire? What is the desire of me doing? When me and Beth got married, we got married in front of a church. Dr. Estep did our marriage on a Thursday night service at church. We didn't care. Me and her didn't care. I mean, I was 20, I was 32, she was 27, didn't care. We just wanted to get married. She just couldn't do without me. That was it. I mean, bottom line, she was just, she was in a hurry. Uh, she couldn't wait six months. Her dad, her brothers, and everybody else said, you need to wait six months. He's going out to see you. Well, actually, nine. She ain't going to do it, man. Somebody else might get him. And she's probably right. <laughs> she knew exactly what she was doing. She suckered me, and she's like Eve. The tree, to, uh, and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof. And look at this. When you do the wrong and your desire is wrong and did eat and also gave to her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes were both of them were open. So they got their eyes open. They seen some things. And then they knew that they were naked. The desire sometimes is not as sweet as it is. Uh, sometimes the, the fruit that you eat sometimes will not always be what you want. Everything Satan said there was true. Now I'm talking about desire. I'm talking about desire. 
Paul's desire, keep it, we're going to get back to Paul here in just a second. Paul's desire and prayer to God. I've been handing out those prayer books. Uh, I, I've I had a couple of people say, well, some of the verses in there aren't King James. I'll tell you what, Dr. Romanol, I said that same thing a long, long time ago. Uh, and I got over it real quick. He said, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. He goes, a lot of these guys who wrote those books back in the early 19th century, uh, in the early, uh, early times, they, there was not an issue with a King James Bible. There wasn't an issue. Uh, all these other Bibles coming out, nobody ever thought anything about how bad they were. A little leaven leavened the whole lump. When the thing first came out, nobody thought about it. So sometimes these preachers would look at another Bible, and the way they worded it would say what they wanted to say, but the King James just didn't really say it that way. So what you do, and Doc always said it, what you do is you read what they say, you take the verse they use. If the verse aids, and you take the King James verse out, and it matches pretty close, then you're good to go. If not, throw the thing out. Just mark it out with a black pen and be done with it. The context of the information that you're getting uh, in that prayer book, and I've already checked it out. That's what Dr. Peacock used in school. You, you are required to read that book to go through his school. You're required. Uh, we never were required to read that in uh, PBI. I guess they just figured that we were all super spiritual and we prayed anyways, but we didn't. Uh, on Thursday, Wednesday night when we had our prayer meetings, we didn't. We went out there and, blah, 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 and Doc would come out there and yell and scream at us. So anyways... The, the wording sometimes, and I'm getting here back to this thing. The, so I wanted to say that about that prayer. When he says right here, Paul says, my, my heart's desire and prayer, the two go together. Without the, the prayer coming in there, your heart's desire may or may not ever be really what it should be. You may never know it. You may never even think about it because the, the thing has got away. You know what you need? You need that, the Lord to guide and direct your steps. You can't do it. I can't do it either. It can't be done. Uh, when she, he says, make one wine, uh, Satan said this to her, God doth know. You know, God does know. He knows everything. He goes, your eyes will be open. That's a true statement. Absolutely true. You shall, you shall be as gods. Yes, that's fine. That's true. I'm a son of God right now because when your eyes get open, guess what? Now you can find Jesus Christ. You find Jesus Christ, you can get saved and you'll know good and evil. But there's the problem because sometimes evil is presented in such a good way that you think that's okay to do, and it's not. Comparing Luke, and, and this is right out of Doc's commentary, comparing Luke uh, to John, uh, Luke 4, uh, John 2, 16 to Genesis 3, we find the following, correspond, uh, uh, everything corresponds. The lust of the flesh. And you know, how many times have you heard that verse? You know why you don't like hearing that verse? Because you don't want to listen to what it says. Now, you guys may all be like angels with halos and stuff, but the rest of this world isn't like that. And they, they sit there and said, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust of the flesh, it's good for food. Lust of the eyes, it's pleasant to the eyes. It looks really good. Pride of life, it desires to make one wise. It's the word desire. You know what Eve's desire was? Was not God's desire. God already said no. Now, brethren, sometimes your flesh says yes, but God says no. And you got to say, which side are you on? I'm on God's side. I like Joshua. He said, but as far as me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I am going to serve God. If I have to get killed during the process, I'll do that. That's just what I want to do. The flesh always rears up. you got to stop that thing. Proverbs 3, I'll get in the message here in just a second. Proverbs 23, 7. He's talking about a man. He, oh, go there. Go there. Let's go there. Proverbs. Man, you need to read some of these verses. I'm so happy today, man. I, I sit down. I spent about three hours yesterday and two hours a day. Uh, getting my Bible, my my uh, my reading chart was kind of all weird because I went to uh, three times, four times a year instead of two, 
And so I had to straighten it all out page after page after page through the Bible, but I got it all straightened out. So I get my January, February, March, and I actually found out I was a little ahead of myself uh, in March. So it's a blessing. But, but once I got it done, I did 2024 20, in about 30 minutes, man, it's done. I could, do, I could do my Bible chart in about 30 minutes. I'm good to go. Boom. I'm all the way through. Matches my Bible. I can read it four times a year. And the more I read that thing and the more I read that thing, the more I read it, what, what you do is you start coming across these verses time and time again, and you see it, and the Lord starts showing you a couple things. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7. If you go back to the verse 1, it says, When thou sittest to eat with a ruler. Everybody, boy, if you, you get somebody say, Hey, I want to go sit down with the president. Eat dinner. If Biden called me, I wouldn't sit down in the same state with that man. Uh, but, but you can do whatever. Well, he's the president of the United States. That's true. And, and I, I would never dishonor him or anything, but I, I, I have no really no desire to sit down with him. Have, he has nothing I want. Uh, when now, I want to sit down at a table one day. There is a table I want to sit down with somebody. And it's with Jesus Christ. That's, that's the only table I really care about. Uh, when thou sittest to eat, oh, I'm sorry, I, I do want to eat with the uh, people tomorrow at, at George's. I, I don't want y'all to think that I don't, if I'm there. Is he just here because he has to be? Well, pretty much. But anyways, <laughs> when thou sittest to eat with a ruler, considerest diligently what is before thee, and put thy knife to thy throat, if thou be a, a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties. There's the problem, man. You just desire. See that word desire? Desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. You start looking at what people got, and sometimes it, it starts getting to you and getting to you and getting to you, and then you start going, and then you start doing it, and then they got control of you. Uh, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Uh, eat, not, eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire, see there's the word desire again, that uh, thou his dainty meats. For as he is, now most people uh, quote this, for as a man is, uh, for, for as a man thinketh uh, in his heart, so is he. And that's, that's a true statement. Your heart is deceitful and wicked, who may know it, but God knows it. But your desire is usually out of a heart condition. And that thing right there has to be developed in your life. It has to be developed. The right desire can only come with the right knowledge. Paul goes on and talks here as he's talking. Here's the, here's the definition of desire. Desire, conscious impulse towards something that promises enjoyment or satisf uh, satisf uh, satisfaction in its attainment. Let me ask you a question. What's your desire tonight? What is your desire? Lord always does some weird stuff. I mean, he does... What he does is unbelievable in, in the scriptures. If you go through this book enough, what you're going to do is you're going to start seeing some things just going to blow you out of it. Take your Bibles, go to Luke 17. I love, I love my book. I love this thing. It really is to me. I, I know what I want to do. Uh, people ask me why I do what I do. It really doesn't matter uh, what anybody thinks. I could care less. Uh, when we walked away from that, uh, 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 the, that changing table yesterday, I told Beth, I said, I, I really don't even want that thing. I said, I mean, it's just a big piece of wood. I mean, I guess if you was going to start a fire out in the garage somewhere or out in the yard somewhere to keep you warm, that would be a good thing to start it with. But I said, it really isn't something. This guy wanted to go through the church and take everything out of the church that was old-fashioned, not old-fashioned, was, uh, was, was old-time religion. I mean, what the church got originally, there was time. I bet you there was a time in that church when they had little babies, and he even said that, and they were all over the place. And, boy, that change the table really came in handy then. 
Now that he's got the only kids in the church, you know, let's get rid of it. And let's bring all the other trash in. And what they're doing is they're moving the stuff out and bringing it in. Joel Osteen has got the worst church in our country. 15,000 people on Sunday morning for what? For nothing. You know what their desire is? To go back out. Don't tell me what's wrong with me. I want to come in and I want to be able to do what I want to do. And I don't want anybody. I just want to come in and have fellowship with everybody else so I can get everybody else who does the same thing. Brother, you're talking about somebody who hates sports. That's, I can't even, I, I shouldn't even go there. But to see two Christians sitting there and you could, I'd never hear him talking about Jesus. I've been in a church, man, up north. And a young man was, was getting ordained to go on the mission field. He's becoming a preacher so he could go on the mission field. And his dad, all he, and if I mention the guy's name, y'all know him. All he cared about was playing stinking basketball with a bunch of high. Uh, your son is getting ordained. Does that not matter to you at all? No, it doesn't. I get a little excited about that stuff. What's your desire? What is, when I look at somebody like that, I'm like, what's your desire, man? Your desire isn't like mine. I said, and I, I'm trying to attain my desire. I may even never get there. I'm like that guy uh, Dr. Sam Gibb talked about there. I'm, I'm the one who wasn't the greatest, the mediocre guy. Uh, my brain don't work like everybody else's. You probably know that. Luke 17, 1. Jesus Christ is talking. Desire has to be developed. It isn't something that is just naturally in your life. Uh, you, have to, you have to desire something better. Sometimes it takes time. You know, sometimes God has to give you something so you'll know that you need to let go of it. I think he gave me the Navy for that, that exact purpose. He, he was something in my heart since I was uh, too many World War II movies and sailor movies and this kind of movie and that kind of movie. Too many of them. Those things put things in your hair. My desires was all wrong. And, but the Lord used that up to about 13 years, probably nine years more than anything else. The last three or four was just, just a pain in the neck while I was going through Bible college. But I'm sitting there going, I think the Lord used that in my life to get me to a place. that I. But he had to work it out of my life to let go of it. Now, you'll hear me talk about the Navy all the time. I could not go on a ship and survive today if I had to. I'm too old and fat. And number two, I couldn't handle the transgender, the transvestites, the, the women. And I mean, to be in Iraq and a lady across, I ain't no way, man. Ain't no way. I'm just not going to do it. I don't know what they do. I don't know whether women have. Why would they have their own compartments, man? I mean, if you can use the same bathroom, why, it's insane. I couldn't do it. I don't, I don't, if, I pray for you guys. <laughs> you guys in the world, I pray for y'all, man, because you're in a whole other world than I was in. And guess what? I was in a whole other world than the group behind me was. I heard somebody the other day, y'all, if you're going to learn something, you need to learn something from somebody that's a whole lot older than you. Because if you learn something from the people around you, you're going to be like Solomon. You want a good example? Go read about Solomon's son, Rehoboam, Jeroboam. I get the Rome brothers mixed up. One of them anyways, man. He listened to all his buddies, and he lost the kingdom. People his, in his peer group. You know, your peer group don't care one thing about you, and your bosses normally don't care nothing about you. What they want you to do is make them money. And the moment you quit making them money, they're going to get rid of you just like that. I've watched them do it over 43 years. Yeah. Man, it's 739 already. Luke 17. Jesus is sitting here. He's got his disciples together, and he's going to start checking their hearts out. He says, then said he, Jesus, unto the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. So they're going to come. You ain't going to get out of it. You can't get away from it. You know what you got to do? You got to learn how to get, deal with them. But woe unto him through who they come. 
It were better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck. I had somebody tell me, quote me this, like I'm the guy that should go get the millstone around my neck and get it thrown in the lake. That's fine with me too, man. Throw me out there in the middle of the ocean with a millstone around my neck. A few minutes you're going to solve my problem. Guess where I will be? Right in heaven with Jesus Christ. And he cast, uh, and uh, let's see, it would be better, it were better for him that, that a millstone were hung about his neck, hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea that, that they, that he shouldn't, uh, uh, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Now, it's an obscure passage. I mean, he just kind of throws that out there. I can see the disciples right now going, oh, what, what does that have to do with anything? Then he goes on, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Well, that makes pretty much sense. That's easy. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day again, uh, again, uh, say, uh, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. I've had people throw that at me, too. I said, but you never repented. Why should I say anything to you? You haven't repented yet. Well, let me hear the repent. I got to hear the repent. Doesn't mean I have to forgive. You know, just because somebody tells you, they throw a verse at you. Do you know enough about your Bible that you can sit there and say, wait a minute, does that apply or not? Anyways. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. At this particular point, the Lord has now got their attention and their mind is geared into thinking what he's saying. You're going to have to help me here because I'm at a place where I don't, you know there's some things only God can teach you. You can't learn them any other way. The world is going to dictate to you a certain way and it's not going to be right. I don't care how good it looks. Ask Eve. Remember Eve at the beginning of this thing? She thought that that apple was good to eat. But the Lord had already said, no. There's where the problem lies in. I don't care how good the world will constantly tell you this, 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 this. You know, you, ain't, you still ain't got it as bad as some people on this planet. Anyways, verse 6. Then the Lord starts coming back in. And the Lord said, just like he always says, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. So now he's appealing to your pride. Uh, if you had enough faith where you could even believe what I'm saying, and then he goes on and he says, ye might say to this sycamore tree, sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the roots and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. Well, I've never seen anybody say, hey, fern tree, be gone, and it, it was go through the air. I've never seen that. Uh, you see that garbage on TVs from time to time, but you never see anybody ever doing it. So, But it wasn't that he's trying to say you need this faith like this. He's trying to get your attention to I don't have what he's talking about. Paul was that way. Paul said, my heart's desire. He, back here, the very first thing he said there, he goes, brethren. He goes, brethren, my heart's desire. Paul's, if you go back to Paul, we'll, be, we'll go there in a few minutes. If you go back to Paul, Paul wasn't always there. And nor are we. But brethren, until you get to where Paul's at, you need to stop and say, there's something wrong with me. Paul was following after the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And I have to tell you this, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And the Bible is the key to this whole thing. You know why, you know, that when I first started this thing, I started with prefaces with the, that prayer book, and there's some verses in there that aren't King James. Uh, if it wasn't for Dr. Peter S. Ruckman, you probably wouldn't be holding the King James Bible in your hand right now. There's three things. If it wasn't for Dr. Peter S. Ruckman you wouldn't know about eternal security. There's one more thing he's, he's, you know what that is? Third one? He's attributed to three things. I keep getting that third one mixed up. It's a simple one once you hear it. It might be dispensations. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, but, but, but before Dr. Peter S. Ruckman, eternal security was not even, people thought you could lose your salvation. And then before the King James Bible wasn't issued, he brought those things to the surface. They're attributed to that man. Not me saying that. I mean, the, uh, the Bible-believing Christian families are saying that. The church is out there saying, this man did this. This is what he did. And it goes right back to him. And he, he caused such a ruckus that people started saying, wait a minute. And then you got people like Lester Roloff starting to come in behind that thing. And Lester Roloff, they went to other church. Brother, I'm telling you, your King James Bible is the key to your walk. If you do not have a King James Bible tonight, you're, you're, you're neutered. You cannot get what you need to get. Oh, there's some things, but you have no perfect thing to go back to. You know what? Faith comes by hearing hearing by the Word of God. Where's your Word of God at? Well, I've got this. That guy had a new King James sitting on his table. I never, showed, I never said anything to him. He never, we never got into that. It wasn't my, I wasn't there for that. And I tried to encourage him the best I could on a few things because he's a young man. He had a, a son that had some health issues. And, hey, brethren, we all have problems. That doesn't change what my motives in life are. My motives in life still are the same. It's to serve Jesus Christ. He, he goes on right here and he says, he goes, but, verse 7, Luke 17, 7. But which of you having a servant plowing a, uh, or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he is coming to the field, go, 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 sit down to meet. Then Christ goes on. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup. That's where desire comes in. You either will say, I, I made a little note down here somewhere. I want to be the master or I want to serve the master. There's a key to this whole thing. Your desire will be, I don't care what I have to do in this life to serve him. I will do that. And at any time, day or night, I will do that. And I will look for him to tell me. I mean, I, Beth hears me bellyache all the time. And she probably tells the kids I bellyache all the time. I want to quit every time I turn around. But there's no place to go. Where else am I going to go? He has the words of life. I have no other place to go. You know what I need to do? Just go over and put some doors in an apartment. Shut up, man. That's all you do. You, go, you, you sit there and say, well, I'll just do it the easy way, man. That guy down there, he was, he would go, I come here and they have lots of money. So I can just spend the money any way I want. But that's God's money. I mean, if he gave you something, are you kind of worried about what he gave you and how you spend it? Now, I think we ought to put all new doors in over there. And, and the doors may cost three, four hundred bucks a piece. But I don't want to pay somebody else three, four hundred bucks a piece to put them in. That's care. You know what that is? I, my desire is to serve God, not, not man. Okay, what is it? I've had people say, well, you're just going to sit. I had one, one idiot here who a while back would say, and I heard him say it. He said, you are just trying to sell everything and, and take the money and pocket it. Okay, that, that sounds good. That sounds good. Where's facts? Got facts. Anybody been listening to the Supreme Court ruling on, on, on the debt uh, forgiveness for school people that got big loans? That's the coolest thing in the wide world. They're sitting there going through it, the, and you listen to the one side, and it's like, okay, where's the legal argument? There's no legal. This, I feel, I feel like if we don't help these young people out of their debt, that they, hey, why don't they just go out and like get two jobs and pay it off, like all the other people do? I like the justices when they said, I mean, it shows. I do have some hope. I have some hope. Well, you know, the guys who go out and start a lawn business, they don't look for uh, forgiveness of debt when their business fails, or the guy starts this garage or this or that or the other. We don't give them. Why would we give them that? I'm thinking that's the greatest thing in the whole wide world. Now, I'm like, I'm like the next person, man. If they pass the law and say you got forgiveness and you need to forgive, I'd get it, man. If you can get it, get it. 
Get as much as you can get. The faster you can get it, the quicker this thing goes down the tubes, the better off we are. <laughs> I'm telling you, brother, I don't trust nothing anymore. I don't trust nobody. I don't trust me. I mean, it's crazy. I, I sit there and say, Lord, the only one I can trust is you. There is absolutely no. So I am, I am, I am resolved to go to the Savior. I'm, I'm just resolved. That's my resolution. I'm done. I'm done with it. I just want to serve him. I don't care about nothing else on this planet anymore. Uh, I'm telling you, people, you, you don't know everything that's going on. You can only know what's in front of you. Uh, somebody can tell you anything that's going on anywhere in this world, and they taint it and twist it, and, and it depends on what their motives are and their desires are, whether, whether just like that guy that's in there taping one of the uh, Baptist preachers down there, trying to get him to say, and he said, uh, water baptism don't save you. He goes, well, we believe that. Well, you're an idiot. I mean, you're on, you're on YouTube telling everybody how, much, how stupid you are, and you're, but you're not believing what the Bible says. Anyway, i got to go on here. Uh, he says, make ready wherewith I may sup. Jesus is trying to show his disciples something here that is almost impossible for somebody saved to comprehend, let alone somebody lost. What he's sitting here saying is, you got to get into the attitude of serving him, present or not present. You know when he said he gave everybody a pound and he went away to a far country? He's entrusted us with something. Now, I know what he's entrusted me with. I know that. I already know what he entrusted me with. And he went to a far country. He's like Noah, man. He tells Noah, build an ark. See you later, bye. Now, he's probably sitting back saying, I'm going to grow all these trees over here, these gopher wood trees. I've never seen a gopher wood tree. I don't, I don't know if they had like buck teeth trees. I don't know what a gopher wood tree looks like. But anyways, I mean... The Lord's over there. He's growing all the gopherwood trees. So before he ever told Noah to build the ark, he already had the gopherwood trees there. He may not even have built them. He may have grown them. He just like, there they are, gopherwood trees. Uh, and and he, so he had all the stuff. He had the pitch. He had everything that Noah needed to do the ark. But he said, Noah, build me an ark. And he walked away. And oversaw that thing from a distance. You ever heard that song, Gary Ducey? From a distance, he's been watching me. And he just said, that's, that's a father in my father's eyes. He was sitting there watching. Noah first found grace in God's eyes. The Lord said, okay, his desire is right. He's going to get drunk in a while. <laughs> he's got a good desire anyways. He's going to need to get drunk after a while. Anyways, he's got a good desire. So I'm going to give him a task to do and see if he can do it. I'm going to give him everything he needs to do. Gideon, man, Gideon, that takes Brethren, we are so wimps. Gideon takes 300 men, and they just they hold a, a, a trumpet in one hand. There must have been all musicians. That's the only way you could work these guys. He had to get 300 musicians that could blow a, a trumpet. You ever tried to blow a trumpet? And he, he sits there, and they got a pitcher of just with a lamp in it, and they sit around. They sit, he sits them all the way around. No sword, no nothing. He said, just blow the trumpet, break the light, and you'll scare them all to death. And that's exactly what happened. God just went out over all those people, man, and they all kill each other, and, and Gideon sits up here and gets away with it. Right here, Noah was told to do something. The Lord went away, came back 100 years. You know what the Lord expected to see 100 years later? An ark. Because if Noah didn't do what he was supposed to do, you and I wouldn't be here today. God says, I give everybody a pound in their hand. He said, I gave 10. You know, a pound is an English measurement. It's not a shekel. 
It's an English measurement. It's a pound. He's talking to us. He gave you something, and your desire will determine what you do with that pound. You'll put your desire in this world and spend every ounce of your energy in this world to do whatever this world wants. Now, I'm telling you, brother, if that's what God wants, there's nothing wrong with that. You should put every ounce of your energy in that if that's what God wants. That's what I did up to the point he told me to quit. But I did not know what it, there's a lot of things I didn't know. My desire was always, number one, from the day I got saved, even before I got saved, was to serve God. Let me ask you a question. What's your desire today? When I was 16 years old, you know what I wanted to do? Serve God. I just didn't know how. You know what Paul wanted to do? Go to Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, maybe 1, somewhere in the Bible. We'll find it. Paul's a great guy, man. But, brother, see, so so many times we look at his book, and we start taking the thing, and we start pulling things off the pages, and we try to build things around it, when really it's all, finally, brother, in chapter 3, verse 1, finally, my brethren, Rejoice in the Lord. Are you rejoicing right about now? I am. I'm happy. To write the same things unto you. I'll stop here in just a second. I got seven minutes. I'll stop. Uh, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, uh, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. So there's never a problem with listening to the thing over and over and over again. Never, ever, ever. Never get tired of a message. Never get tired of it. I've heard that. Be- I've heard, pre- oh man, I've heard guys say that before, and they're nowhere around to be found today. Bible students, you know Sam Gibbs said that thing? I've lived that. I've sit right next to people who said, listen to Dr. Ron. I've heard that message 10 times before. But I mean, I can listen to Tim. Boy, I wish I could hear him do it now. I wish I could. Beware of dogs. And there are some. Beware of evil workers. And there's some of them too. Beware of the concision. For we are of the circumcision uh, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. And having no confidence in the flesh. This thing is a mess. Though I might also have confidence, Paul was full of confidence. He got, he, now you're looking at Paul at a different time in his life. And some things, listen to this. Though I might have, also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath more whereof that he might trust in the flesh, I am more. <laughs> I tell people all the time, people look at me like, you're an arrogant pig. Yeah, I am, man. I thought I was the best ET in the fleet. I might have been the worst one. Well, I thought I could, I could beat anybody, man. You give me a broken piece of gear and a cigarette and a cup of coffee, and I'll out troubleshoot anybody. Uh, though, I just liked it, man. It was fun. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man, but I always knew Jesus Christ did it. I want to make sure you understand. I always knew that he was the one God directed my hands and helping me see the thing. He goes, uh, if any other man thinketh that he might whereof, uh, that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I'm or circumcised the eighth day of the stock of, the, of Israel. He's at right, right place of the tribe of Benjamin, right, right, right nation, right tribe, a Hebrew of Hebrews, top of the line, as touching the law of Pharisee, perfect. Uh, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, I mean, he went after him. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I count lost for Christ. You know why he did that? I'll tell you why he did that. He all of a sudden, he had a desire. That's what Paul knew. 
Paul was raised in the right family. Paul was raised in the right group. Paul was raised in the right tribe. Paul was trained under Gamaliel, under the feet of Gamaliel, had the best education you could possibly have. Paul had everything in the right place. That's all he knew. Take your Bibles, go to Romans chapter, or, uh, Acts chapter 9. I'm talking about desire here. Paul had a desire. Do you see the desire Paul had? Jesus Christ is telling him over here, your desire, he said, apostles, I love all of you, man, all 12 of you. I don't want to be as a devil, but you're going to go, you're going to go out there and you're going to go to perdition and all that other stuff. But the other 11, I love you, but your desire, you got to bring that desire in check. What is your desire? Peter, lovest thou me more than these? What's your desire? Lord, you know I love you. You know how many people just talk out of their mouths and it means absolutely nothing? Y'all say, Mike's mad. I'm not mad at all, man. I'm just telling you. People say stuff, it means it's worthless. Their actions, no, no work. You know what Paul said? Paul said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill me some Christians. You know what he did? He went and did it. I had a chief on the master chief on the Navy. Uh, go to Acts chapter 9. Acts, uh, uh, in the Navy, when I got in trouble, I got kicked out of cheese mess. That was the greatest thing in my life, man. I'm going I'm I'm to get a rerun of that. I'm going to see if the Lord has a DVD on that in heaven when I get there. I want to just sit there and watch that a couple times. Just watch what he did. But Master Chief, one year, I, I, I'm going to have to get a picture of him and show y'all him, man. Y'all just wouldn't believe him. I mean, teeth, he had, I don't know how a dentist could even do that, but they etched teeth, anchors in his teeth, man. Real nice anchors, man. I mean, he smiled and he, these anchors all showed up. He had anchors tattooed in his earlobes. This guy was a sick old, I mean, he's a nut. He's a, he's a sailor. War, uh, Vietnam vet, river boat, boatsman got all shot up and everything else. Crazy man. I walked in there, man, and I looked at him and I said, Master Chief, I said, I look around your room, I can't tell. I said, man, I'm, I just got kicked out of his cheeks, man. So I didn't know what that guy was going to do to me. I mean, I watched him, Phil Naniger, if you ever know Phil Naniger. I watched this man cold cock Phil Naniger and, and knock him across the hallway, and he had a wall and slid down. And I watched that old guy. I said, man, he could do that to me. <laughs> so he, this guy, I mean, this guy, who knows what uh, uh, TC one year would do. And uh, so I go in there, man, I'm all excited because I done got kicked out of Chiefs. I'm, I'm like, I'm flying. I'm on cloud nine. Whoosh, I'm going down through there. I don't care what happens. Kill haul me. I don't care at this point. I, it just doesn't matter. I got on his side. I'm done, man. You know what my problem was? My desire was to serve God. But I got tainted. Just a little bit there. I got tainted. And I didn't know how to get out of that tainted area that I was in. God said, I'll show you how to get out of that. You really want to get out of that? I said, Lord, yeah, I really want to get out of You know how I got out of that? I was praying over a plate of green spaghetti in the chief's mess with 70 wicked men, crying. Oh, God, I done messed up. What do I do? He says, I'll show you. Come on. And he gets me up on my feet, and boy, he opens my mouth, and it's amazing if your mouth really has something to say. You'll say it. I don't know exactly what I said. But, but I told one year, I said, look, I'm looking around your room, and I see all these dead bodies all in these pictures you got from Vietnam. I said, I said, Master Chief, I might get there. I might get there and, and crawl up in a, in a foxhole and cry like a baby. I said, I've heard that happening. I said, I've never been in a place like that. I don't know how I would react. I said, but I'm telling you, man, you mess with my God, I'm going to kill you. You mess with my wife, I'm going to kill you. And you mess with my Navy, I'm going to kill you. About that time, these two prima donna little Master Chiefs walk in, going to tell him what I just did in the cheese mess. That old guy running him out of his office so quick, it made, I'm an E6, man. These are master chiefs. He tells you, get out of here. I don't want to see either one of you. I'm talking to Elliot now. You know what that guy realized? He goes, Elliot, you're right. He goes, I think you would go. I said, yeah, man, I would go. You know what I had to learn? A change had to occur. And sometimes God has to bring things in our lives that doesn't seem as comfortable as they would. Paul, Paul is sitting here in Acts right now. He's getting ready. He's out to kill some Christians, man. He's got the paperwork, got everything. He's ready to go. He's got a zeal, but it's without knowledge. 
He thinks what he's doing is right. God approves of that. He's killing Christians. So I don't sound, you got to change your mind about some things, brethren. You got to change your minds. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Every one of them Paul killed was in front of Jesus right then, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I seriously doubt any one of them had a problem with Paul. Now, in life, maybe, but after life was over, the Lord's sitting there going, I, that guy can be used. His, he's got the right desire. He wants to serve me. He just don't know it. Acts. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughters against. That's the same thing said over in Luke. Exact same thing in Luke. No different. They said, Lord, increase our faith. You know the only way you get through this thing is your faith has to be increased. I need to shut up here. Oh, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogue, that he might be found, that, that if he found any of this way, that's us, by the way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there was a light, uh, suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Now, I'm going to stop right there. You know what Paul is getting ready to do is have his desire tweaked. God doesn't want to remove his desire. He wants to utilize Paul's desire to serve him. Brother, tonight I'd like to ask you a question. I'm going to finish this up Sunday night. Uh, is your desire tonight to serve him? Well, Paul, back to Romans chapter 10. I'll, I'll, I'll stop right here. I've been passing that book out. I got three more. If anybody wants them, come let me know. You got to read them. You got to read them. I'm not going to come to your house and say, are you reading that book? I don't have a little thing on each page, so when you flip the page, it beeps off, and on my computer it says they're on page whatever. None of that stuff. It's, it's, your, it's your word. I'm taking you at your word. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. That's what Paul had but not according to knowledge. You know how Paul knows that? And I'm done right here. You know how Paul knows that? That's where he was one day. And he's no longer there. Paul had a desire to serve God. I think a lot of people have the desire to serve God, but they can't ever let go of this world. And brethren, you can't, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life will, will grab a hold of you sometime and keep you to a place. Uh, they, uh, I think Bob Jones Sr. said, sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll hold you. And your desire, no matter what your desire is, and you better thank God we have a God that loves us. Because he looks down and he says, look at that little idiot. <laughs> he is such an idiot. Or she is such an idiot. She is just sitting down there doing everything wrong, or he's doing everything wrong. But look at the desire in his heart. All I got to do is knock him off on the road to Damascus. His buddies around him going to think he's crazy. But me and Paul is going to have a conversation. And when he gets up from that floor right there off the ground there, He's going to be a changed man. You know, Paul's, Paul never met Jesus. But boy, he loved God enough that he would do whatever he had to do and go through all the stuff he had to go through to become what he had to become so he could be a Pharisee, so he could go out and get those that he thought was against him. He was after those who were against God. That's what he thought until he met Jesus. Man, meeting Jesus is like the key to everything. That's the greatest thing in the whole wide world. If you ever met Jesus... Everything I just said tonight wouldn't matter a thing. 
I've heard people preach things, and I'm like, yeah, I need to change that. I've heard other people write in my face with their finger. I said, that don't apply to me because that's not, that's not you. Somebody told you something that's not true, and I said, what you're saying isn't, isn't me. But that's okay. You can say it, and I'll smile, man. I won't get mad. I don't, I've never got mad at anybody preaching about me. Let them preach about me. I don't care. The Lord knows. Brethren, I'm like Paul. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that, that they might be saved. If your desire isn't for salvation for Christians, if your desire isn't to get people, see people get saved and watch them uh, come to know Jesus Christ and then allowing them to grow at their rate uh, and be there for them, if that's not your desire, then something's wrong with your desire. Because that's the only desire that it is. When Paul was going completely the other direction, and he turned and went this direction, and the only thing changed was he, he got his eyes on Jesus Christ. He had to learn over a period of time to get to this place right here. He had to learn some things. But you see him now down, down at the end, way down further down in his ministry, he now is saying, this is my heart's desire. My question to you tonight is, I'll stop right here. What's your desire tonight? You could be like those two guys that went through Christian college. And the one guy who went out and got a job and became wealthy, there was nothing wrong with that, except what he just said, that the guy, the sharp guy, actually laughed. He thought the other way was stupid. Maybe if you'd have thought the other way wasn't stupid, sir, you would have done something with it. I think everybody should get a Bible education. I tell you all, you all to get a Bible education no matter what you do. Dr. Peacock's got a school down there right now, man, that's got some good training. I don't think you're going to get a better education anywhere in this country than right there. Because you got to do it. It, ain't, it isn't one of these things where you're just going to go sit in class and, and drill come out and you, and, you, and you get through the test somehow. No, you got to do it. They're going to make you do it. But when you come out of there, you're going to have an understanding. This guy was wrong. He was wrong. It could have been the other way around. I've seen pastors, preachers that way. That young man down there the other day was just that way. He said, he goes, I came out here and, and there was only one person on staff. I was expecting six or what, to tell them what to do? Is that what you're trying to do? Tell them what to do? Have you ever thought that maybe you ought to do something? See, most people are like, what's your desire tonight? Brother, you know what my desire is? I, I want to line up with Paul. You know my favorite guy in the Bible is? He's obviously Jesus Christ. But my second one is, is Paul. You know why? Because Paul got it, man. And when it got down to the end, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So if you think this, uh, Adam was talking the other night about all these revivals. Everybody said all these massive revivals, hundreds of That's a lie, man. That's a lie. My brother, Paul, 2,000 years ago, face to face with Jesus Christ, died in a prison cell by himself with Luke with him. A small church is probably where you want to be. Maybe at home with your Bible, reading it, praying. That might be where you want to be too. It says, forsake not the fellowship. You know, I tell you what, bro, I watched people come in here on Sunday morning, and I'm sitting there going, Lord, you told us 15 years ago what to do, and we did what you told us to do, and you gave us this over here, and you gave us this. I'll tell you this, I'm done. I told you I lied already. That apartment is sitting there, and the land is sitting here, and if I had a board behind me, I'd draw it. That when I'm dead and gone, the land is sitting here that the, whoever's got it after me can do whatever they need to do. And the property's here to do it. Has nothing to do with me. I just happen to get to be a, a tool in the master's pouch. And he works these things out as we move along. And there they are. 
I have no stake in anything here other than I get the privilege to do some things. That's it, zero. My desire is to serve him and do whatever he sticks in front of me and bellyache all the way. I'll bet you that servant who came in after working out in the field all day, sunshining, knowing the master sitting there, the Lord, the Lord already knows everything from the end, from the beginning, so they probably had air conditioners, mini splits in there, keeping the guy cool. And the guy comes in and sweat all down his face and dirt all over him, and he says, go wash up and serve me. And I bet you that guy in that story, if that, you know, it's just a parable, but if it was, a, you know, the would be upset. But he did it. I like the two sons that went out and one said, I'll go serve and lied and didn't. And the other said, I ain't going to do it. And then he does it. That's me. You ought to, because why? You know the right thing to do. And you, that's desire. That's character. Desire is something that has to be developed. And the desire has to be forgotten. You know, when you get the right desire, a lot of people probably won't agree with your desire. Because it's going to be to God. And, and if you do what the Lord says do, you're going to start affecting people the right way, but they're going to see it the wrong way because you're going, to, you're going to start messing up with their little gods. And the more you get the desire in your heart to serve Jesus Christ, the less these things get into your life all around. Ah! Do you know that they, they said they've taken more money in on this betting in, in the last two months than they did the lottery for the whole year? And somebody, and then you get mad because I say something about tithing? I mean, that's insane. I heard the Catholics on, on the radio today saying the money's out there. This shows you, it proves that the money's there. Why don't you give to, give to the church? Nah. It's just, I love Jesus. Father, thank you for your blessing. <laughs> thank you for all you've done, Lord. Thank you for, Lord, give us the desire, Lord. We need a desire or, or tweaked in our desire, Lord. Help us to have that desire to serve you like Paul did. Lord, in any, any, uh, any capacity that you choose, Lord, it doesn't matter. Just help us to have the right desire in it. Lord, that man who, who said that it was a pipe dream and life left at the young guy, Lord, it's, it didn't matter if the roles were reversed there or what, Lord. It, uh, you should never laugh at somebody else that doing what the Lord told him to do. Uh, Lord, uh, encourage him, bless him, help him along, and, and get him down the path, Lord. But help us to have the right desire, Lord. Our desire should be, like Paul said, to desire you, and, Lord, when we do that, you said you came to seek and save that which was lost. And that should be our desire, and that's the same thing Paul had. Lord, bless now, Father, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, y'all do keep George. George, if y'all didn't know, he fell today, broke his hip. They said it was a clean break, uh, and they're going to pin it. He's in the emergency room over at Sewing right now. Me and Beth's going to go over there right now, Sam, uh, if y'all don't mind. But uh, y'all pray for him. I mean, he's, getting, he's up in age, and he's really good. He tripped at Kroger's. And I was joking with, I told Linda and I told uh, George, I said, man, I said, that's how we can pay for our church. I said, sue him, take it for everything you can. We'll get nothing. And I was just joking. I was just, he knew I was joking. Linda calls me back later and says, I'm going to go take some pictures of that place, man. <laughs> well, there's going to be some medical stuff and, and anything, but I, I need to go over and laugh at George because he laughed at me when I fell back here and broke three ribs. I, I didn't get a chance to laugh at him when he fell at Kroger's. But, you know, he was helping somebody into Kroger's. And he opened one of the doors, and they had some stuff, and he just tripped over it and fell. And uh, he, he broke that hip, and they, they said it's a clean break. And, uh, and I talked to him. He seemed like he was doing really, really good. But uh, y'all keep him in front, because he's got Linda that he's trying to take care of, too. So now that's a problem. And I told Linda that I said, hey, we'll do whatever needs to be done. Uh, I, my, I'll make my wife go for <laughs> I'll make her go sit with my mom, so I'll make her go sit with Linda. It splits her time between there. 
and uh, we'll just do that. It's only four to six weeks, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all do keep George in prayer and keep Paul in prayer too, because he's out there and he's, he's, his back is starting to get a lot better. Paul Philpot, y'all take y'all keep him in prayer. So if y'all don't mind, we're going to head over there so we can see him in the emergency room because they still got him there. They said there's like 14 people in the emergency room and they don't have no rooms upstairs for him to put him in yet. And so he's still probably laying down in the emergency room and I just want to go and laugh at him. So it's turnaround, payback, payback. <laughs> yeah. 